In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hi, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. Welcome. Welcome. Hmm. So this is episode now, we counted it as six. It's six. And what did we want to uh, title this one? Well, I think I'm tempted to just title this Bitcoin because trying to title it anything that actually serves the purpose would probably be a little too long. So we'll just call it Bitcoin. Bitcoin and hard money? Yeah. A little more than that. Bitcoin and hard money is fine, or maybe hard money and hard money and network effects would be a, appropriate. Mm, I would keep the Bitcoin in there because it's so central to the discussion. Fair so enough. B- Bitcoin and networking effect. All right, we can go with that. So I know this is this one's kind of on my shoulders a little bit because I'm I know Bitcoin, but really this isn't actually about bitcoin it's actually about what is the likely next step from the white side of the chessboard so let me let me just give a little bit of context here um right now we're in a situation where the dark side of the chessboard looks like it's winning and as we said in other episodes, these are comic book supervillains. The people in the World Economic Forum, they're com- comic book supervillains. They're like, the people who follow that worldview are so far gone and so deluded and so blinded that I don't even know how to begin to reach them. But the point is here, when... Huh? Oh, of course, of course, absolutely. And and frankly, I fail to do that as much as I should. But that's an act of God that reaches those people. But what I'm what I'm concerned about right now is basically there's this bit in I think it's in Revelation, but it's definitely in the biblical uh, discussion of the end times that says something along these lines that that the enemy's plan is so good and so devious that it would fool even the elect or some of them or may or almost or something like that the idea is that it's it's so good that it could almost fool the elect do the wef sound to you like a plan so good that it could fool the elect That's a trick question. No. 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 It's dumb. It's comical. It's bad. It's it's so obviously bad that 
that you have to be crazy to go there. Or, like I say, so deluded, so blinded. I actually have relatives who are. So, I, you know, far be it from me to, to, to make fun of them. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is that most people who are sensitive to truth just won't believe it. But what they would believe is something sort of opposite to that. And here's... Let me see if I can paint this picture. You know the sort of the American ideal, the the individualist ideal that, that takes the individual and raises it up to the level where we can accomplish amazing things and how America has brought the whole world into a golden age through sort of uplifting the individual and allowing the individual to create amazing things sort of in a material sense. Certainly put a lot of tools in Americans' hands. Right, but but America has led the way into the technology age because of our valuation of the individual, right? Okay. So what we need to sort of take that which which is sort of which has sort of become the heart of what the white side of the chessboard venerates. It, it venerates this Western civilization that elevates the individual above everything else. And we need to create a, a scenario where that can, after a great deal of struggle, beat the black side of the chessboard to pull people into this synthesis, which is the enemy's end goal. Do you know what the highest ideal of Gnosticism is? I don't, actually. It is the individual overcoming the adversities. It's the, is it is elevating. Is a transcendence? Well, it, it, the individual transcending and becoming the highest ideal sort of thing is the highest value of Gnosticism. And so if I were something, to... Something akin to... forming yourself into the hero? Yeah. That's... Yeah. And you can see how that could be corrupted to forming yourself into the tyrant that well, sees themselves as a hero. Well, okay, so what did Satan do? Satan said that his intent was to elevate himself above the stars and the throne of God. And... What if the ideal is for everybody to do that? Okay? That actually could be a very positive thing. You could market that as a very good thing, right? Even to most Christians. It is for the Incredibles. Right. Well, even for most Christians, that has sort of become, in America at least, that has sort of become an ideal, a, a, a very strong pull. And so what I would say is, if you could create a system that was perfectly designed to beat the dark side of the chessboard, that valued individualism above everything else, that basically created this Gnostic utopia on Earth, even though Gnosticism values the spiritual over the physical, 
you know, bringing those Gnostic values of individualism down to be the highest values here on earth, that would be a, a perfect play for the white side of the chessboard. Enter Bitcoin. Okay, so I've already, by saying that, I've already alienated basically anybody who really likes Bitcoin. And I'm going to quote a okay. scripture here. I'm going to quote a scripture here. Let me see if I can remember it. I'm going to try to get it verbatim. You can, a man cannot serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and despise the other, or and I'm mangling it, but it's a it's a paraphrase. Or he will, um, you know, basically the idea is you can't serve two masters, and it ends by saying you cannot serve God and money. Okay, and. So here's is that where direct, is that in the same exact spot where Jesus is speaking to someone and saying it's as difficult for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle as a rich man to get to heaven? Is that that section that someone should look for? I don't know. I know if you okay. look for the words, you cannot serve both God and money, you will get there. And actually, I could look that up real quick. It'd probably be worth it, but it would be. Yeah, let me do that. So. Let's see. Oh, and he's typing for us because if I type anything, it just comes through as a hideous clatter through the uh, speaker. Yeah. So, sorry, I can't be looking these things up at the same time that we're talking, guys. Oh, it's it's fine. Um, okay. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay. So, that being the case, let's talk about why I think Bitcoin's a big deal. Now that the sage is sort of set, it's, it's a good time to do it. So, first off, you have to understand some things about money. First off, do you know, Greg, what a network effect is? I assume that it's a broad enough term that you could apply network effects to um, any system. So a network effect uh, assumes that you've put yourself in a system. So rather than being all of the earth, you're now operating in a pond. And whenever you add more fish to the pond, the network effect is less space for the fish? The network effect is just the number of fish that are in a given pond. And the fish are always people in this case, because people are the things that network with each other, right? So we have people interacting in an environment. That's a network effect, okay? So let's, let's take an example of that. YouTube is a great example of a network effect. There was a time before Netflix, just before Netflix, when YouTube handled about 99 point something percent of all the video views on the internet outside of porn, okay? And the idea here is that when you have a network where people are interacting, the more people who enter it, the stronger the network gets. So it's like trying to compete with Facebook right now is almost a hopeless cause if you're competing on an equal footing because their network effect is so big 
that you just can't get there because the whole point of the thing is that people are all doing it together. Okay. So the bigger it gets, the more powerful it is and the more it tends to suck people into it. And this flows everywhere. You couldn't yeah. have a yellow robin. It would die. It wouldn't breed. Right. This does. It does flow everywhere. Right. Robin, right. The network yeah. effect of red robins is brighter robins, not blue robins. Right. Or, or whatever it is. The point is that when you get a network effect, it tends to pull things in. And the bigger it gets, the stronger it becomes. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now... When you go from, I'm trying to think how to frame this exactly, you can think of, you can think of anything that humans interact in, as having network effects, and the more um, the more relevant to your life it is, the more important it is, the stronger the pull of the network effect. So if you have, when you have a network effect in, um, oh, communication, for example, when, when people can do, can use phones, when everybody can use phones to talk to each other, the more people who can use phones, the stronger the pull is for everybody to have a phone. We can all see that. That's a pretty tangible example, right? And for a very long time, YouTube had a monopoly on the network effect in video on the internet. It was broken into because somebody came at it from the side. They came at it from a sort say, of a different perspective. Hmm? Would you say a good way to think about it might be that uh, the formatting method for that posting method pushed out other formatting methods because where would you even post it? Yes. And how would you get people to view it? And that's the key is if I... And then why would you make it? And why would you make hardware that runs that? That's a different formatting method. Uh, yeah. We didn't create chips the way we currently are for um, uh, large language models mm -hmm. until so we had a large language model in order to have a reason to create the chip. Yeah, it's true. So that, those are all networking right. effects pushing things back and forth. Right. And, and video, well, Netflix came in onto the scene because it actually didn't displace YouTube's business. YouTube's network effect was on videos of people. I think it would be an unreasonable expectation to expect anything on the internet not to be parasitizing market share from the real world, Yeah, the old world. Right. That's right. And so... So the more the more relevant to our everyday lives this becomes, the stronger the network effect. And now from there we can kind of talk about money. Let's look at the network effect of the US dollar. The US dollar is basically You, mean you can't the, buy Brightstar in pesos? No, you can't. You can buy it in US dollars. And and I think that what I would say about U.S. dollars is that every currency in the world is basically built on top of the U.S. dollar right now, except maybe the Russian ruble, and that's only because we kicked them out. If you look at what money, what money transfer systems were being used to move money from Russia to the rest of the world, it was the SWIFT system before the U.S. kicked Russia out of the SWIFT system. 
the U.S. dollar was basically the backbone <clears throat> on which all other money was moved around. It was the base layer. And its network effect is so strong that it's really hard to work in anything else, even when something else is better money. Okay, so that takes us to what money actually is. And, and this, you could do, and people have done, thousands and thousands of hours of discussion on this. There's a show called The What Is Money Show. And I listen okay. to, I listen to, I listen to hundreds of hours of it. And I really liked it. The guys, the guy who does it is a really good at, you know, he, he had a niche there that was really important. And it talks about why money's important. And if people who are watching this are actually interested in digging in, that's a good place to start. But Money has, just to hit it at a high level here, at a, a, pretty, a pretty basic level, money has a few different characteristics. Money is something that we use to exchange for goods that we want. It's a medium of exchange, but it also is often a savings vehicle. It's, it's a, a store of value. Okay, so store what are the, of value. That's a yeah. good way to say it. Store yeah. of value. Store of value. So, what are the things that make money money? What are them? What are the things that make money good? Because people have used everything from sand dollars to gold to beads to so, whatever. Some characteristics I'm looking for. Yeah. I want durability. Yep. I want something that's uh, yep. uh, it's fungible. That means someone takes it, it moves back and forth easy. And it's uh, and it's hard to. It's it's hard to control it, right? And then uh, durable, fungible, secure is separate from durable, because just because it's invulnerable doesn't mean someone can't steal it from it. Right, secure. Right, so yeah, secure. Div how about divisible? Something that you can divide up into pieces that is where oh, right, you can right, you can make it. You can cut it up into pieces and make it so that you can use a small enough piece to do the transaction you want. Sure, sure. Okay. And I think stackable is the same thing. It's just the other direction. Sure. Uh, recognizable. Hmm. Recognizable. Do Something I... that is, or auditable. Another way to say that would be auditable. Something that you can tell that it's real. Okay, testable. Auditable. Auditable. You can tell it's real. You can tell it's, you can tell it is what it's supposed to be. That it it isn't easy to counterfeit. Yeah. Okay. There are other properties, but those are those are we're hitting the high points here, right? Okay. So are those pretty much those five are kind of the main. Those points? are the ones that the and anything else that's attached kind of flows out of those, as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, I'm sure there I'm, are people who would quibble with me. You know, there are people who would add a one or two, but those are the really important ones. Okay, I, I would add one more, actually, probably. And that is um, uh, liquid. And by that, what I mean is it's easy to use to exchange for the things you want, and it moves around quickly. That was number two on our five. Yeah. Yeah, we, we use the word fungible, but... Yeah, but, well, fungible basically means that it's... Okay, you can include that under that bullet point. That's fine. The point is, those are sort of the, the characteristics of money that matter. Okay, so next, um, gold. Why did gold become the currency standard for the whole world? Why wasn't it something issued by some bank somewhere? 
Why was it gold? Why was gold at the well, base? Well, my impression is that it's pretty. It's durable. It doesn't uh, tarnish. It doesn't uh, succumb to entropy very easily. It uh, is recognizable. It's testable, right? So even if someone tries to counterfeit it, you can make sure that it is what it is. Through a number of means from uh, how malleable it is to how heavy it is. Uh, now we have color checking, et cetera. And you, and you can uh, melt it down to be absolutely certain if you need to. Sure, sure. Um, it was scarce. It wasn't everywhere. You can just pick up some more. Hard money. It's hard money. It's not easy to make more of. Okay, okay. Okay. You, you've basically hit it. Those are the reasons. Yeah. Okay, now okay. why don't we live on a gold standard now? What changed? Well, it's really hard to take a piece of gold out of my pocket and send it to Japan. Or to me, even. 20 miles, 40 miles, 80 miles. It's actually expensive to move it around, and it's expensive to secure it. Sure. Even in an age of automobiles, yep. can you imagine getting $150 worth of gold, or let's just say you're going to get 22 ounces of gold out of your trunk to walk into the grocery store and you're going to walk around the grocery store with 24 ounces on your shoulder until you get to the checkout. You're not well, going to and, get and, and even then you wouldn't, you wouldn't spend that much at the grocery store, but the point is still, it's hard to move around. It's hard to use for exchange. It, it didn't keep up with the velocity of modern society, right? Is it that it didn't keep up with the velocity? Yeah. 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 It is. So as a hard currency using the gold in your hand, that wouldn't flow with the speed of uh, the modern world. Right. And, and it just doesn't because we move money around so fast in the modern world that it doesn't work. But for a lot of years, so that does did. take us to the, that takes us to the representative currency, which exactly. represents the gold. Right. And we did at first they would mint coins out of the gold so that it became more recognizable and harder to counterfeit right so you'd have coins and they were minted and it it was it it improved the the usage of the gold but then we moved to using representative currency first dollar bills physical notes and then we moved to using digital representations of those physical objects right we did well those physical objects started to become a ephemeral representation of another physical object, which allowed them to become a digital ephemeral represent yeah. representation of right. And then object. and then we moved away from using the physical object behind it at all. So what the what the what happened was essentially we stopped using gold because it wasn't it wasn't fast enough. And then people could get under it and they could essentially use the, the representation for their own ends and it, they corrupted it. Okay, and that's what the U.S. dollar is. The U.S. dollar is a corruption of the gold standard that the world lived on for thousands of years. And, and I would say this now. <clears throat> yeah. Why would you do this? We already went through all the things you need out of money. So this is, what else could I get out of money? I would like money to produce more of itself for me, for me. Right, exactly. And so, how That's do right. I get money to make more of itself for me? Interest. How so, do you make interest out of 
a hard currency. Well, you you get people to pay you back more than you loaned them. And you cause a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And they get mad at you. Yep. And so that you have to confront them and fr- right in front of I them see where you're what going. you're doing to them. Yeah. So when you've got a non-interest currency... When you, well, you when you've no got choice. a non-hard money is what you're saying. Yes. When, yeah. you, have a, when you have a hard yes. money, you have no choice but to face the hard consequences of what you've done. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and when you have a soft money, you can use inflation. And inflation is basically just increasing the total amount of money in the pot to make it so that what is there already is worth less and you it has less buying power. And... By doing that, you create money and decide where it goes, and only the people who control the supply of the soft money can do that, right? Like if you're mining gold, you're expending effort, you're doing work to dig up the gold. Gold is a proof-of-work money. You You did the work to dig it up, and then you have a hard object to hand off to somebody. Okay, so now we get into Bitcoin, if you don't mind if I move here. Bitcoin is... And I'll put out there that I have not worked with Bitcoin. This is a a learning experience for me. Okay. Well, and, and for me, I started digging into it a couple of years ago when inflation started hitting us really hard. And when I started to understand what Bitcoin is as far as money goes, I like walked around with the hair standing up on the back of my neck for a week. Literally, I did when I was I was at work and I was listening to podcasts about this and I was walking around with the hair on the back of my neck standing up because it was such a, a revelation for me what was going on with Bitcoin. And when you do the work to understand Bitcoin, it becomes that. Because here's what's going on. Bitcoin solves the... It solves the problem of how you trade electronic messages with somebody you don't trust. And I'm not going to get into the technical side of things. If you want to do that, you can. But what I will say as far as the technical stuff goes is that the most paranoid, most untrusting, most crazy uh, individualist people you can imagine have looked at Bitcoin And the technically savvy ones, the ones who understand code, they've looked at Bitcoin and they've done the work to see that the the system is basically bulletproof. There was a guy who early on in Bitcoin's uh, genesis, back almost right when it started, he spent $500,000. He told a group of, two groups of people, I want you to crack this system. I want you to do... I want you to figure out how to how to break this system technically. And they came back to him after six months, after having spent $500,000 trying, and they told him, this is impossible. We can't do it. We cannot break this. It works the way it's supposed to work. And, that's, and the reason for that is that it's so simple. There are cryptocurrencies, and I'm not talking about cryptos here. I'm talking about Bitcoin. There are cryptocurrencies that are more technically capable than Bitcoin, you might say, but there are none that are as simple and effective as Bitcoin. There are none that are as hard to break as Bitcoin. And that's the key to hard money is you can't break it. You can't make more of it. You can't counterfeit it. You can't damage it. Okay. Bitcoin is impossible to break and it's decentralized, meaning you have 
people who are using Bitcoin who are actually have opposite interests to each other and they're still using it, which means if one of them could damage it, the, you know, they would for their own advantage. And that is what you see happening with money anytime it's possible, is the incentives in the system of money are to take advantage of whatever you can to damage them. So Bitcoin, you can't do that. And technically, you can't break it. And the, the, some of the best people in the world have tried. And so then the question becomes... I just have a really hard time believing that as a... Uh, oh, I'm not exactly sure the name of the conjugation always was, always will be. The idea that we current, currently crack it and then you throw all your eggs in one basket and then it eventually gets cracked. I know well, that it, in your imagination it's uncrackable. It well, isn't in my imagination. It isn't in my imagination. I'm saying that we technically right now do not have the capability to crack it. And if the capability to crack it technically started to be developed, it wouldn't be like an instant thing. This isn't like the movies. You don't just hack the whole thing all at once. That isn't how it works. There would be people who have a self-interest in Bitcoin who would see it coming and the technical capability to improve it, to use a different kind of, hold on, to improve it, to use a different kind of uh, security, a different kind of encryption is already there. So reality is what matters with Bitcoin isn't so much the technical capacity to crack it or not, because you can upgrade that. What matters is, is the system game theoretically perfect and it was the game theory of bitcoin that was making my hair stand on end it wasn't the technical capacity sure well i certainly <clears throat> could see how rather than attacking the code itself you attack chrome and firefox and WeWoo or everywhere else that people are connecting to and so everywhere that connects to Bitcoin could be... Bitcoin has its uh, own network and its own software. And it's they're both very simple. Like I said, technically, technically right now, this is the most, the most difficult to hack thing on the planet is Bitcoin right now. And it just is because if anybody could hack it, they would. And they haven't figured out how because if they did, it would immediately kill the network. Or those that have the capability have the uh, incentive to protect its its image. Yeah, but but right now, and and this is actually a really key point to the game theory is right now, China and the U.S. both have a huge incentive to crack it, and and big companies in China and the U.S. have the huge incentive to crack it, and nobody has done it. So you have actual opposing forces that have the incentive to break it, and they haven't been able to break it. Here's my only proof to that. Um, you do find that uh, evil coalesces into the simplest methods. Mm -hmm. And the first person that breaks it's going to go out and spend a million Bitcoin on something. Right. Well, and, and here's, here's the other half of that. Technically, I've looked into it. I have a fairly good technical background. I'm, I do computer coding and have for years. 
and I, I've looked into it enough to understand how it works on a technical level, and there's only one or two real weak points, and right now, the best technology in the world is used to to shore those up, or to those, that is where it's strongest, is in those two theoretical weak points. So it's like, Trying to break Bitcoin is almost impossible on a technical level, and if it started to become possible, it would immediately be upgraded to use a different algorithm for the encryption. So technically it's really hard to break, but really what matters, and if you don't mind if we focus on it, because we're actually coming up on a break and I'd like to finish this chunk of the discussion, what really matters right now is the game theory behind it and why the money part of it is so compelling, okay? So you know how in gold, when we, when we had a gold standard, money was actually worth more a hundred years after you made it than it was when you made it. Like if you held gold, it actually was, had higher buying power later than it did when you created it. When you dug it, it certainly out. set up a system where the last one to spend won. Right. So, so the incentive when we were on a hard money standard was to own as much of the hard money as you can. And the more people who own the hard money, the stronger that incentive gets. There's a reason that, that gold was so important to so many people for so long. It's because it was that hard money and it had a 2% inflation rate for its whole history. Did you know that? because we were digging up about 2% more gold a year. It, it's got a 2% inflation rate built in. And the lower the... You know that hmm? one of the, whenever the uh, Old Testament temple was sacked, it ruined the economy because there was so much gold. Yeah, yeah, it did. And um, the lower the inflation rate of the money, the more... Um, the more incentive there is to hold it. So like if there's zero inflation rate, then any technological advance makes that money worth more. Any person who's born, who's added to the labor pool, makes that money worth more. Any person who's added to the network effect makes that money worth more. It takes the black hole effect of a network effect, which is what money is. Money is a network effect. And it puts it on steroids and multiplies it by an order of magnitude. And that is the game theory of Bitcoin. The game theory is that if, if five people own Bitcoin, then the whole world is, needs to own Bitcoin because the value there is so good that it would be stupid of you not to. The incentive is so strong. Okay. And here's another really curious thing about network effects they grow on a Fibonacci spiral. So the last loop of the spiral that is currently existing has more area inside of it. It's like a seashell. It has more area inside of it than all the rest of the spiral before that. And what that means is that the number of people who have adopted it, that network, in the last time cycle is more than all the people who adopted it in the previous time cycle. And this is like a Pareto distribution thing. This is just how the world works. You just have this happen. When you have a network effect, it grows at that rate. And nobody can, 
that it, it's like a law of nature. We don't understand why, but that's just how it works. So Bitcoin's network effect is growing on a Fibonacci spiral. And it is the incentives to own it are so strong that when you start to understand how it works and how money works, it almost compels you to own it. And that's why when people start to understand Bitcoin, they start to invest in it. And trying to, trying to break that, because the US dollar, the network effect on it is dying right now, because we have so much debt, it's just naturally falling apart and we're going into a debt spiral. Something is going to have to replace that. And it, it should be Bitcoin because right now it is the best money in the world. And it's, it's just growing to the point where it would be able to do that in the next decade. It's amazing. And with that, you want to go to a break? That's exactly the comment I was thinking. I'm, I've got thoughts in my brain, but I don't want to push them in before the break. Okay. We'll be back in a minute. See you in a minute. Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by the Energemetra 6 universe and by the upcoming book Bright Star by me, Jared Michaud. If you're interested in reading the book, head over to e6universe.com. Uh, I'm still looking for people for the book launch team. In return for posting a few reviews on bookstore sites and sharing on your own social media, you can get a free physical copy of the book and uh, read it that way. Or if you'd like, we do have a few copies for sale for pre-sale between now and April of 2024 when the book comes out. Modern Apocrypha is made possible by North Arrow Coffee. It's the pro-life coffee company where 15% of every sale goes to a pro-life cause. And it's so good that even us non-coffee drinkers love the company. Everybody I know who I have uh, given North Arrow Coffee to who is a coffee drinker loves it. So the quality of the product is wonderful and they're not a company that hates you. So. If you're interested, head over to northarrowcoffee.co and use the promo code E6 for 10% off with your order. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. So... So we've been describing this chessboard being played by one player. If you did have a, a system that was in contestation, that's a horrible word, and one side were to win, and then people stopped checking the game, they assumed the game was done, then what would be your game theory ending for having a bitcoin win and that is the question that none of the bitcoin people seem to be asking oh that that's the question i came up with that's what i want to know i don't care about money i don't care about banks i want to know 
what okay, the enemy well, wants to do with me. <laughs> that's and that's the question that none of them seem to be asking. So let's first off, we've been talking about this so far, sort of on level one and two, on the 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 level of the monetary and the political and the the physical ramifications, right? So let's look at this from a conspiracy theory level real fast. Do you know the name of the person, it's a pseudonymous, who created Bitcoin? Uh, Takashi? Satoshi. Satoshi Nakamoto. Do you know that if you read that, like, backward in Japanese or something, that it's, that it says central intelligence? What? Yeah. Okay. So, the 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 conspiracy theory here is that it was the U.S. government who created Bitcoin in the first place, and they did it for their own ends, and they have a, a game plan with it. But here's the key. Here's here's the here's the problem. The people okay. who adopted it as their own are the most paranoid, most crazy individualistic people who are also tech savvy in the whole world. So I don't care who invented it. It's basically technically bulletproof for that reason. And it, it, it solves the Byzantine generals problem, which basically means that. Yeah. I don't even, I, what is that? Uh, well, it's, short phrase for... the, the idea is that the, okay. If I want to pass a message to, uh, Joe down the road, but Joe and I aren't very friendly with each other and Tom lives between us. And the only way to get the message to Joe is to send it through Tom and Tom is both of our enemies. How can I guarantee that Joe gets the message without it getting corrupted when Tom has it? That is the Byzantine generals problem. Bitcoin technically solved that, which basically means that anybody who is using Bitcoin, who has nefarious motives you have to assume like, hmm? i'm on a tangent was that the uh, creation of a seal did they create a scroll and seal it so if the seal was still on it they knew that their orders were delivered something like that that's that's I the see. idea yeah okay and, oh. and bitcoin solves that in a technical way for the modern world for the internet okay so anyway basically as near as anybody I know of can tell, Bitcoin is pretty much unbreakable with mo with technology the way it is. There is one advance in technology that could change that, but it's unlikely to happen, and it hasn't happened as far as we know. So, and if it ever did happen, like I say, you could upgrade Bitcoin immediately because it's the game theory of the thing that matters, not the technical side. So... That, that conspiracy theory level is entertaining, but I don't really care. What I care about is the spiritual level. And before I hit that, is there anything else? You said you had questions in your head. Was there anything else? Because I want to I answer your question. No, no, I think that we're on a good track here. I think we should continue this. Okay. Okay. So here's the way it looks to me. And this is actually super, super simple. The way the rules of Bitcoin are enforced is essentially democratic. Okay. So you can imagine Bitcoin as a sort of a model 
of the way the U.S. system used to work. Right now we have hostile forces opposing each other, and the only reason they're playing nice is because the Bitcoin system technically forces them to. The U.S. Constitution is a great parallel for that. The U.S. Constitution, we had regional powers in the U.S. that didn't have the same agendas, and the only reason that they came to agreement on things was because they operated under the rules of the U.S. Constitution. With me so far? Mm -hmm. So what ruined the U.S. Constitution? What made it not work? Well, simple answer. We had a we had a power block form that made it so that those opposing forces canceled each other out and weren't actually opposing anymore and the system was infiltrated and it stopped working. And so the question is what right now Bitcoin is basically bulletproof because the people who have adopted it are so far such individualistic people. They're so far such um <laughs> Basically, you've got all of the crazy libertarians are the ones who've adopted the Bitcoin, and they are not going to agree to screw each other over, right? They're, okay. they're operating okay. in their own self-interest. So what happens when that adoption goes to, instead of all the crazy libertarians on that last Fibonacci spiral loop, it, it brings in everybody else? What yeah, happens? The way the system is, the way the system is currently set up, the voting rights to the uh, the rules of the money is based on the highest stakeholder, is it not? What? How do you change the rules of the Bitcoin? Every, basically, people run nodes. They run the program on their computers in their homes. It isn't the people who are doing the mining of the Bitcoin. That's a different thing. It's the Bitcoin node operators who enforce the rules. And the miners... Uh, miners are also nodes, so they also get a say, but it's whoever's using that chain of Bitcoin are the ones who are enforcing the rules. So when everybody buys into the system and you and all your neighbors are running a node, it's essentially direct democracy. Okay. And the problem with Bitcoin is the same problem that you have with direct democracy. Once everybody's using it, instead of just the intransigent people who have good morals, who are the ones you would trust to be responsible, then everybody can decide to change the rules and when and so this is why i say it looks to me like bitcoin is a weapon designed to destroy the black side of the chessboard's whole system because what it does is it is an irresistible monetary force and money being the basic thing that we all have in common across the world that that we all use that is basically designed to suck in the whole world's money supply and then, once it's all sucked in, it becomes vulnerable to rule changes by the herd. And who controls the herd? Mm. It's basically that simple. I think that this is a <clears throat> weapon designed by the enemy to take over, starting with the moral people, starting with the people who 
who are the ones who are going to be the hardest to fool the the Christians and the individualists and the whoever and the starting with them it's it's a weapon that comes from their side of the board to destroy the black ch side of the chessboard and their system and when it does that then it becomes vulnerable to voting by the mass which instantly leads to the enemy having basically direct control over it because exactly how changes would be made to the system under those circumstances if the supply grow you know if the if the number of people in the network effect grows that way the power centers of the world will break down and reform around bitcoin a little differently same as they did with the catholic church and the gunpowder revolution the question is just you forgot the diesel engine yeah sure but the point is the point is that when those powers break down and reform the exact method by which changes are made to the system could be a little different than it is today it doesn't matter the point is still that it's fallible humans who have access to change the system and we could see the same sort of thing happen there and will see the same sort of thing happen there that happened with covid where there is a mass hysteria event say a ufo invasion and everybody is informed that they have to have such and such a thing in order to access the monetary system that's a reasonable change right so unless you have this mark on your left hand or forehead you can't access the money system and we can't tell which ones are aliens point is point is once it's under the control of the majority of society it is it belongs to the enemy it's only while it's under the control of the intransigent minority that it's basically unbreakable and there is why i think it's the perfect weapon and that is what i think is probably going on and it's going to be impossible to stop it at this point i don't i don't think there is a force in the world that is currently capable of stopping bitcoin other than an act, a direct act of god i don't think it's possible and I don't know, I don't, he would have to be very creative about it because I don't understand how one accomplishes it. You crack the code. I mean, uh, a new, <clears throat> a new technology. That uh, does what? Because it's the, it's the game theory of the thing that matters. The technology doesn't. Completely making it so it doesn't function in the role it's designed for. Technology so doesn't it's matter. It's the game theory. If you had paper money and you were able to change the environment so that it was a thousand degrees and people didn't die, but money spontaneously combusted, money wouldn't work. If you were people to, would use people would use tungsten to engrave their money on. Yeah. The technology that's used in the money doesn't matter. The game theory that is employed to accomplish it does matter. Now, I but can see a way that God can can beat the thing. I, I mean, I can see how the system eventually might work. But, but the point is that unless the rules of society change drastically, we still need money. And until the rules of society change drastically, this thing is almost inevitable. It's crazy. Yes, but if you, we do have 
counterfeit issues, right? You you want to make sure that you're getting a real Bitcoin. Uh, what I'm suggesting is something, I don't know the name of the technology, the microcomputer, the quantum computer, mm-hmm. right? If, once we get into the next stage of technology that makes the number crunching we're doing now easy, then the wall it presents is a, is a, a bump. Mm-mm. And that's what I'm saying is even if quantum computing cracked encryption the way it is currently designed, there are encryption technologies that are designed to defeat quantum computing. And it's a matter of that being on the horizon and all the Bitcoin people just say, okay, time to upgrade. I see. It's like taking that paper money and engraving it on tungsten. It's like, oh, we know that the heat wave is coming. Okay. The technology, the point is that it's like supply and demand. As long as there is a demand for money, as long as you need money, this will be the most likely and logical place for the money to come from because of its current characteristics. The the technology behind it can be upgraded to fit the circumstances as necessary. It's just built in. So, yeah... Hmm. It certainly does pose incentives for what? Right? It, it is the incentive to break money. Right? It's its goal is to break money. Bitcoins? Yeah. No, Bitcoin's goal is to overtake the entire monetary system and and replace it. Unify it? Unify and replace. And this is why when you read Revelation and you see that it says that all people, both rich and poor, great and small, all people are required to get this mark on their left hand and forehead in order to buy and sell. It's very specific. It's in order to buy and sell that they have to have this mark. It isn't in order to talk to people. It isn't in order to use the Internet. It isn't in order to. It's just buying and selling. And so that means that the money that they're using, the the technology they're using to buy and sell has to be unified enough that it can apply to everyone. Well, we already know the uh, prize. If you can get everyone just talking one language, then you can uh, set up your spy devices. Well, and, and if you can get everyone to talk in one language, then... Basically, you have, what was it God said when he destroyed the Tower of Babel? He said that there, that if they, if they have a single language, that there is nothing that will be impossible for them or nothing that will be denied to them. And so every time in human history when God has directly intervened in the human race, it's because everybody gets together with, the whole human race gets together with some kind of evil intent. And Bitcoin is a perfect opportunity for that to happen. So, this is unrelated, but uh, <clears throat> we had uh, the question that uh, struggling people might have as to uh, why would God do this to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does pop into my brain at, th- at this moment 
the you now may not be the you that's to come, right? You've got to put all the uh, ingredients into your recipe to get your bread. It's not that you put bread in the pan and get bread out. You put ingredients in and get bread out. That's right. Well, and, and the the fact is God's priorities aren't our priorities. God doesn't have the same perspective we do. When you live outside of time and you have effectively infinite resources physically and you can raise people from the dead, your priorities change drastically. And our priorities and his priorities aren't the same. So he knows what he wants. He has his goals. We can probably get pretty close to understanding what they are. And maybe that maybe that's what we ought to look at next. I don't know. But the the point is what he wants isn't exactly what we want. And so he doesn't do things the way we do. And when, when we have done something to, to choose all of the destruction that is going on in the world, when all of the, when God set a perfect system in motion and we threw it out of balance because he gave us responsibility for it and we, we broke it. Well, what happens to us because we broke it isn't exactly <laughs> it isn't his fault, is it? He he gave us something good to start with. Well, and it's not as if you're splitting the baby. You're not you're not losing out on your student, right? Yeah. There's well, no loss in his you, eyes. When yeah, and when you when he can resurrect people at will, when he can raise people from the dead, and death is no longer a cost, it, it, it just changes everything. So anyway, so if you don't mind, just pulling it back to what we were talking about a little bit, to me it looks like this is where we're headed. To me, it looks like this is the next logical set of events to to come about in terms of that chessboard. And that, like, like you said, if you can't tell who's an alien, maybe everybody has to have this device in their hand or forehead so that you know that they're, in order to buy or sell, that they're a real human. Real human. Yeah. You know, it's like, whatever it is, this is likely coming down the pike. Or maybe it's a... Maybe it's a, a disease thing. Maybe it's a vaccine thing. Maybe it's a who knows what, you know? There are a lot of excuses. There are. But it is certainly an identifiable incentive. Well, and and the whole thing, you know, I my analysis here could be wrong. There are places where I could be off, but boy, it sure fits the it sure fits the what would you call it? It fits the circumstances the pretty well. Yeah, it, it really it's does. the symptoms. It does. <clears throat> so as far as it goes, that's where it looks to me like we're headed. And that's kind of the whole arc of what I think is probably going on. But it's like I've said before, when I, when I look at these ideas, and this is not aimed so much at you, Greg, as, as any listeners, when I look at these ideas... None of this is set in stone to me. I'm not dogmatic about any of this. It's constantly developing. And I will, over the past couple of years, new ideas have come into play. And this is just what looks like the most likely scenario to me right now. So 
It could be any number of other things, but either way, the whole thing is a really interesting thought experiment and a really interesting way to look at things. And what it all, what it motivates me to do, and and you know, if, if the measurement of how good something is is the fruit it produces, what this all motivates me to do is it motivates me, number one, because of the incentives of all the bad incentives in the system, it motivates me to reach people for Christ. It motivates me to draw people to him. And because of the nearness of some kind of very tyrannical international system, whether it's a Bitcoin system or a WEF system, because of the nearness of those dangers, it, it reminds me that God does not suffer those things to last for long periods of time. He intervenes at the Tower of Babel. He intervenes with Noah's flood. So that means our time is short. And when you look at thousands of years in an incorruptible body on this planet in a situation that is constantly improving under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that just changes your whole perspective on the world. You know what I'm saying? It, well, what's important to us to... right now? What's important to us right now is these people need the Lord. They need Jesus. And so what can we do? Anyway, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I think that was a good interrupt. <laughs> following jesus holding that in your heart it in my experience at least gives you the ears right to, to hear the sound right as as the bitcoin is breaking through the woods yeah <laughs> so it at least does give you you know a sensor to, to pick up on whatever's being put out there yeah it does and and it gives you hope, you know. I, I was feeling. And it gives you fellowship, and it oh, gives you brotherhood. It does. It does. Family. And and it, it, you know, a couple of years ago, I was feeling pretty hopeless. I was ready to be dead. I, I was so tired of life. I was so tired of, of not moving in a direction that felt like it meant anything. That I was just ready to not be here anymore. I didn't. I didn't want to kill myself. I just didn't want to be alive. And recentering my life on Christ has given me hope. It has given me something to do. It has given me something important, something that matters. And we all need that right now. We all need all of those things. Thank you for that. God bless you, brother, and thank you. And with that, oh, I think you. this is a this is a great place to call the episode. Have a good night, everyone. We hope to see you again next time. And God bless you all. God bless you.